here we are kind of at a midterm. Uh, I know it's like five weeks, not four weeks, but who's counting other than you? Um, I'm just going to say up front, I have not started looking at the midterm papers. Um, that, that takes a, a bit, but I didn't want it to lay uh, any notes I had on this past week's discussions and, and comments and what have you. And, and so what I think I'm going to do, I'm going to kind of run down um, each of the discussions or uh, entry posts and, and put a little bow on it at the end. But regarding the moral psychology piece and, and really looking at Hume contra Thomas Aquinas, the struggle I've always had as I read these kinds of philosophers is Hume's description is sort of scarily accurate in how we behave and why we behave the way that we do. And yet I then don't have any clear sense of why I should be better than that or how I am better than that. Um, there are points at which Hume gestures or hints at, well, this is you know how we be good kind of, but this is the struggle when it comes to motivation, right? Um, Aquinas would say, hey, you're Christian, there's a natural law theory, you should do this thing. We don't do this thing. We almost never do this thing. That is why even in that section, uh, you know, a week ago, I would sort of argue or offer up the suggestion that maybe it's out of gratitude, right? Maybe it's out of thankfulness that we find some motivation to do this. And um, I actually think there's good reasons to believe that's the case. But it also is the kind of thing that stands outside of anything that Aquinas said and certainly anything that Hume says. And part of the struggle, like part of why I asked the kinds of questions I asked was to really oddly push the idea that we're social critters who have to make decisions and do things. And yet we're not we're not good. We're, we're not good at it. Um, so some things I kind of was looking for in the moral psychology journal, like what are our setbacks? And, and a number of you kind of hit a couple of different things. Um, the more traditional answer I was looking for was the idea of sentiment and passion and feelings that those sort of interrupt any clear thought, right? I mean, and I think that is significant. Um, I, in, in true practice of dealing with people, they have rules or beliefs or things they really think are important up until it impacts them or someone they love. And then they, they dial that down. All of a sudden there's some other motivating sentiment, right? That's the point. Um, a couple of you hinted at just self-interest in general. And I think that is right. Um, and I didn't say a whole lot about it. Um, I just kind of said, Hey, good job and, and moved on. Not that it's not important by any stretch. It's actually extremely important. But where we'll see this conversation kind of uh, come to fruition and get more legs is under Immanuel Kant, where, oh, it is all self-interest. And, and Kant really is trying to argue in some regards against Hume for this reason. But outside of that, I mean, in, in, in the way that Kant argues this, we're not going to talk about, but really, how do you overcome your own passion and feelings about stuff, particularly when they're the exact things that motivate you to act and behave? So for Hume, something in here has to do with how I understand other people and how I work with other people. 
um, which is why the next two sort of discussions are driven in the way that they are. And a number of you, I really was very pleased with the social contract discussion. Um, Hume's extremely confusing and it's not entirely intentional, but it's a direct result of trying to only describe human behavior and not tell you how you ought to be. And in this description, he says, yeah, human beings came together to sort of live under this government kind of approach. And yet, if you actually look, there is next to no example of an actual contract ever being signed in this sort of way. Um, Hume died before the American Revolution and the subsequent independence. But even that example is kind of interesting, right? So for the founding fathers who did sign a Declaration of Independence and for those who ratified a constitution, the interesting thing is like you and I didn't do that. Like we don't sign this stuff at all. We don't necessarily, um, you know, do anything to obligate ourselves to the government, uh, which is, I mean, you're born into it, so it's supposed to not be a big deal, but it's interesting when you bring in uh, immigrants who, nas uh, yeah, who nationalize themselves here, you know, they actually have to take a test and like pledge allegiance and do these things. Like they actually are ratifying and consenting to the government. Most of us don't. Um, and that's like a long-standing political theory problem, whether is it, is it really just sort of like an inheritance, you know, from the forefathers on? Is it what, what's known as tacit consent? And Hume's not even sure tacit consent exists. Like it, it can get really complicated. But the interesting thing, too, is even if you are generally adherent to the government, what about those instances where you find it? Uh, repugnant and and want to challenge it even in a civil in a civil manner how does how does that take place and it's very clear clear for Hume that yeah there's a an ability to have civil disobedience but it but there again how what does that look like he is merely recounting the fact that we do have this ability he doesn't give us any parameters about how to do this and one of the things that you wouldn't have read, but why I know it's so complicated is um, in other texts, he knows this to be the case. And some of these examples are okay. And some of them are bad. He's very clear that those that are sort of what he calls principled uh, rebellions or uh, factions or people who challenge government have real reasons to do this, whether they're legal or social or something and yet then he disparages those that he calls sort of speculative people who just are mad and about a thing and maybe it's their thing, maybe it's not their thing, but they really sort of come across like zealots or they're superstitious. There's something, I mean, and all kidding aside, you could say there's a difference between people who may have legitimate concerns about COVID and vaccine rollouts versus those who have like bonkers, you know, conspiracy theories, right? Those are, that's, kind of what Hume's almost getting at is there's a distinction here. Like there's a way of saying, look, I have some real challenges here. We should talk about this versus those who are like conspiracy laden people who are just screaming at the top of their voice. And Hume would not dig any of that. But there again, how do I know what to do at any given moment? So most of you are like dealing with that quite well, that Hume was, is confusing. Like there is a government, are we responsible to it? Yeah, no, maybe kind of, sort of, well, Welcome to David Hume. Um, but there again, as we kind of round this out, the, the kind of conversation I want you to take 
with this is that this stuff is meaningful. Like we deal with this stuff um, commonly. It's like we think of ourselves as social beings. We organize and structure ourselves in groups and we form little mini communities and teams. And wow, that's something we have to navigate every day. And 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 that's what I was looking for in, in your answers. And again, some of them are very good. Um, I didn't comment as much on those responses. It's not that anyone had anything bad necessarily. Um, you know, it's one of those things that I think you did well, but I think you also um, truly and, and genuinely sort of supplied the, the experience that you have. And what that means is as you get older and you are, you're at different places of employment, you're on different teams, you're working in different environments, you'll have much more experience of these weird like self-organizing teams. Uh, some of them are dictated by the structure of the organization, but even then, right, each team has to find its own um, method of working. And and for Hume, that's, that's fine. That's kind of how real governments operate in their beginning. We find ways to work together and they're, you know, to the extent that they're successful is the extent that we're, we're effective and we make progress and we move ahead together. And and that's a very real thing. And we've a number of you had that experience. A number of you like know what it looks like to work with a team, but maybe not have that direct experience yet. Um, looking to this week, um, just to make some things clear, we're switching gears to something known as utilitarianism. This is actually normative stuff, and it actually gets us to the last part of the class, the last three weeks, because the drive isn't. It's not that I want you to do a comparison at the end of the term and finals week, what I want you to do is to tell me, like, if you had a moral problem, how are you gonna solve it, right? So which theory would you be picking to apply to that? And we'll, we'll talk more. So this is, the, this is one of the big ones. Uh, it's still prevalent today, um, even though we're talking about people in the 18th, 19th century still. Um, it's very prevalent, uh, makes a lot of sense. I think it's very intuitive for a number of people. The one thing I need you to sort of recognize as we look at this is that Hume uses the term utility. And I think it's because he's trying to identify that however we process stuff, if it's not super rational, we just see a value in it, that it's useful for us, you know, progress, it gets us ahead. But with these figures like uh, Jeremy Bentham and John Stuart Mill, it's actually more than that. It is, ah, wait, this is the benchmark. mark. This is how we make moral determinations. And so we should do this. So notice that distinction. Hume's not saying that. He just says, I think we kind of instinctively do. And these two are saying, no, that's exactly how we should make moral decisions. That's why it's normative. They're not describing anything any longer. They're going to tell you the why and the how.